Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, nonstop Leafs talk starts now. What's going on, everybody? It's the Thirsty Thursday edition of Leafs Morning Take, Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. We're going shark hunting tonight, Rosie. I saw that. I didn't know you were a graphics wizard on the YouTube channel. My goodness, that was almost scared me. Versatility is the name of the game. I know you scored a couple goals in your career. You just weren't a fighter, right? Yeah, that's uh, something like that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Remember to subscribe, smash that like button, leave us a review. Don't forget to, uh, to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's been busy, certainly in the first couple weeks of the season. Toronto back in action, a two-day hiatus after that loss on Monday against the Vegas Golden Knights. They're back in action tonight, and note the start time for those of us out east. It stinks. 10.30 Eastern, or just after that puck drop, the Leafs in San Jose to take on the lonely San Jose Sharks, the lowly one, and they're also lonely. But 2-7-0, the Maple Leafs 4-3-0. It's got to be a must-win, doesn't it, Rosie? Uh, I think so, man. I mean... You're throwing Schalgren in there, and it's, uh, you know, a good time to do it. But, you know, it does have some of those tones of the Arizona game mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, but coming off that loss to uh, to Vegas, and I think they're a little bit frustrated with their inconsistency right now. So I think there'll be, like you say, more of a must-win uh, attitude towards this game. At least you hope so. But it um, seems like it's been like a week since they played for some reason. I'm just sitting here waiting for them to get at her again. So... Yeah, it's about time we're ready to go tonight. But yeah, you guys out east, man, are the Leafs losing their pull in the league or what? I remember playing at like four o'clock out west so that you guys are used to watching it at your seven o'clock time. Guess no longer, hey? You're such a meat. It's because they're in San Jose. It's the Shark Tank. Their customary start times are, are 1030 Eastern time. That's pretty much your answer, Rosie. No, sorry. I thought things were different when I played. Maybe it was just because I was there, I guess. I don't know. I got more right, pull than most. Those dusters couple on the shots in here. Couple shots in the mug will do that to you. <laughs> CTE settled in. <laughs> we shouldn't joke about that. Uh, I should mention as well on Wednesday, we caught up with pro poker legend 
and Toronto native, as you see in the thumb th- in the thumbnail, easy for me to say, uh, Danny Negreanu will uh, drop by. We'll play that interview in about 10 minutes from now. Calls Vegas home, but as we know, a big-time Toronto Maple Leafs fan. But first, let's get over the boards. Calling on Shulgren. That is a bit surprising for me. I thought it was going to be your boy Sammy, but Sheldon Keefe, uh, Sheldon Keefe announcing on Wednesday that it's going to be Eric Shulgren, his second start of the season, surrendered three goals on 18 shots versus Arizona 10 days ago. Why is my question? Why is it Eric Shulgren starting, Rosie? Do you have an answer for me? Because of the San Jose Sharks record, and they want to throw him in there and try to get him a win and, you know, take the, the time to uh, to rest Samsonov when they can. And this just is a time to do it. Bottom line, they're a weak team, San Jose. So you're going to throw in your backup Tendi and rest your guy, and hopefully that you show up enough to get a win out of the deal. And, you know, in the meantime, Shalgren gets uh, some confidence in. And what are you going to do? Throw him in against you know, a high firepower team and, and take that risk. Uh, I think you just get him in when you can. And they tried that against Arizona. It blew up in their face. I don't really think it was all his fault by any stretch, but put him in, try to get a win. And hopefully, hopefully the boys show up uh, a lot better than they did in that Arizona game. Yeah. But if I read in between the lines into this call, that means Eric Schalgren starting two of the next three games for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? We know in this analytics era that you're not going to start your number one back to back. They play Saturday and Sunday in Los Angeles and Anaheim respectively. So that means Shalgren's starting one of those games. It's just perplexing in my world. And I think at the very least, the, the Leafs better be a different team in front of him. Maybe more of attention to detail defensively. He didn't look great in his first game. Again, as mentioned, three goals on 18 shots. But again, the team in front of him was absolute dog shit. Um, but I, I'm just a bit more stunned at that because Ilya Samson has been so good. And it pretty much, again, guarantees. And unless they go... Um, you know, ahead of the odds and say, we're going to start Samson off back to back. But I just don't see it. Every team does it these days. We saw it with the New York Rangers last night. Didn't go to Shashirkin in the back to back. So to me, Rosie, it tells me that Shalgren's starting two of the next three. How do you feel about that? I, uh, I I don't like it if that is what they ended up doing. I just don't understand why yeah. you can't play a guy back-to-back. Like, like, the players can do it, and they're banging and crashing and shit like you're in net yeah. and you're focused and then you get your recovery going, you stretch out like crazy and you get on the trainer's table and you play again the next night. Like you're a fucking professional athlete that that's made to do this. I don't get why they're, they're treated like they're porcelain these days. I, I get, you don't want to hurt your goalie, but at this point in the season, I, I, I would play him back to back. I would put Shalgren in right now tonight against the sharks. And then I'd play Sammy back to back. Like, there's no problem with that in my mind. I don't know where this uh, babying comes from. I mean, look at Martin Broder back in the day. He'd laugh his ass off at the fact that you can't play a back-to-back night. He played the whole goddamn season, and he stood on his fucking head, and he's flopping around like crazy, and he's and he's a Hall of Famer. Like, why can't you? It's not that he's – they're not made of sugar. Like, put him in the net and let him play hockey. <laughs> it makes too much sense, right? But, again, that's what teams have been trending and doing the last couple of years. But you're right. Every time I like to think back to the Marty Brodeur era where every game you knew Marty Brodeur was playing. That was the best position in hockey, Martin Brodeur's backup, because you just weren't playing. And odds are Chris Terreri was just probably partying and getting shit-faced on the road. Didn't have to worry about actually playing hockey, which is tremendous. We did see some new lines in practice um, on Wednesday before the team traveled to San Jose. They practiced in Vegas. So 
Kerfoot, Matthews, Marner, Robertson, Tavares, Nylander, Bunting, Yarncroke, Malgin. Uh, Zach Aston Reese looks like he's coming back into the lineup with Kempf and uh, Engvall. And we've seen that combo before with Kampf and, and Engvall. And it seems like on the outside looking in, Wayne Simmons, again, the Wayne Trainer guy, and Nikolai Obey-Kubel. And as mentioned, Kyle Clifford on yesterday's show, a shoulder injury, he's on injured reserve. What do you make of those new look lines? Yeah, it looks whatever. You know, it's, you know, you kind of demote bunting a little bit and uh, try to strike up something going on in that top line. Um, Kerfoot hasn't looked bad. I mean, every time I see him yeah. out there, he seems to be doing something positive, you know. Um, so give him a shot. I don't know if, uh, I don't think it'll stay like that. I think they're just trying to kind of ruffle the feathers up and see if we can get Austin going a little bit here and break him out of his slump tonight, which would be a great time to do it, obviously. Throw bunting down, see if Yarncroke can get something going. Um, yeah, Zar down on the fourth and Engvall down. Engvall should be on the fourth line. Like, do something. Should Show be me playing. You he should be in the press box. I know. Yeah. Show me you want to fucking be in this lineup. And here's the fourth line now. Go do something of value with your body and your energy and, and show me that you're, that you care and that you're trying like fuck. And then the rest of that stuff can start to come. Prove that you want to be there first and then work your way back up into the lineup. But I don't like taking Simmons out. I think their best game of the year by a million was the Winnipeg game. And yeah. it was all on the back of, of that style of play. He's, he's just, I just think he should be there, but uh, he's not. So whatever, you just got to kind of say, well, let's see how this goes. But obviously they're stirring some things up, trying to find some chemistry. And, you know, I don't mind Kerfoot up on the top line right now, mix something up. Other than that, it's kind of like whatever type, type changes to me. Nothing that uh, strikes my fancy all that hard. That was the best part about Pierre Engvall coming back in against Vegas. He did nothing. <laughs> you think most most players, you get health bombed, you're eating popcorn in the press box. I'm going to come out jacked with energy, ready to go. He was the same Pierre Engvall, right? Like, so I think if you don't get a response, I don't know why you keep going back to that well, yet here we are. It looks like Pierre Engvall is going to play once again. Meantime, as I teed up to start off the show, we had the opportunity and distinct pleasure to catch up with uh, pro poker legend, Toronto native, lives in Vegas now. Here is Daniel Negreanu. Today's guest has won six World Series of Poker bracelets and two World Poker Tour Championship titles. On top of all that, he's a big-time Leafs and Golden Knights fan. It's Toronto's own Daniel Negreanu. Daniel, what's going on, my man? Check me out, right? All geared up. We got the Blue Jays who blew it. You know, we got the Leafs who have been blowing it for 10 years. I got all kinds <laughs> of blow. And I got a Feel the Thrill jersey right next to me, too, from the Golden Knights. So I'm ready for this, whatever we're doing. Hey, what did you make of that? The Shark Tank, Phil Kessel, have yourself a career and a, a monster night, and he scores his 400th career goal, eh? Twice, right? He scored his 400th career goal you know, in Vegas the night before. I mean, how perfect, right? Because I was there at the game. You know, Phil, oh, my God, he ties the record, and he scores right off the bat, and we're all cheering, and then, like, five minutes go by, and the Leafs almost, it's almost like, bro, even though you know it might have been offside, just let this one go. This one's, this one's big. Let it slide. And you can see Phil on the bench laughing, because Phil's always like, oh, yeah, they're going to call it back, right? Oh, yeah, that's just how I run. That's like my bad luck or something like that. For, them, for him to then come back and do it, like, you know, in game 990 was pretty sweet considering he's only getting like 12, 13 minutes a night. Hey, you're tight with this guy. What is he like behind the scenes? You got to tell us. See, I think, that, you know, Greg uh, Wasinski wrote a really nice piece about his travels from different states. I was quoted on for the Vegas portion, but like some of the stories you hear about Phil going throughout the years, he, in Toronto specifically, okay, you guys are in the media. But you know, Toronto media can be cutthroat. And they can also just make shit up, like Steve Simmons did with the hot dog thing. So what's stuck in Toronto? Phil eats fat. He doesn't train. He's fat. He's lazy. 
He doesn't play defense. He doesn't care. All that's bullshit. Now, if you go to the gym with him, he doesn't need to do what you do because he's just got a, he's a natural freak. He's got leg strength. Like anybody who, who's, who's worked out with Phil, like there's a funny story that I think uh, JVR tells in it where a guy comes out of the gym shaking his head going, what happened? It's like, I've been working out for a year, training, building muscle, everything like that. Phil's over there reading a magazine on the bench, weight bench, not doing anything. So he gives him some shit. And Phil says, you want me to lift? I'll lift. So Phil puts a couple extra plates on, does more reps than the other guy. And he looks at him, he goes, that good enough for you? And goes back to the bench and continues to read his magazine. I mean, he's a special individual, you know? He's just a unicorn. It's, it's like total enigma. And who would have thought, right? Cancer in his rookie year and then Phil being Phil, you know? For him to be the Iron Man, I, it's it's kind of like just awesome. I love it too because he just simply does not give a fuck, right? He's won two Stanley Cups. He scored plenty of goals. He's done his thing in Arizona. Now he's a Vegas Gold Knight. Rosie, why don't you hop in here, bud? Yeah, old Philly. He just does what he uh, what he wants to do. He doesn't hurt anybody, and he gets attacked for no reason. But you got to love that guy. I just love his attitude. But uh, yeah, Daniel, just wanted to know, like. Um, you know, when living in Vegas now, being from Toronto, you know, a lot of people in the mainstream right now are getting into betting and whatnot. Just with your background a little bit, do you know, have you seen anything, obviously, in your travels as far as just crazy stories or wild gambling things? I imagine a guy with your background has just seen a million things around Vegas or gambling or poker or just anything in general comes to mind as far as wild stories the, the fans would like to hear about. Well, listen, there's a billion of them. But, you know, there's one guy in particular who sort of became infamous, uh, for some crazy gambling stories, that's Phil Ivey. You know, uh, it's, it's well-documented that, you know, he figured out with this woman how to, like, edge sort. So he could, you know, basically, they, he didn't touch the cards, he didn't do anything. Casino set it up, but they had defects on their cards that he could see. He went to England, he won, like, 11, 12 million, went to Borgata, picked up another 10. Um, and really bad precedent set, because he didn't cheat. The judges said he didn't cheat. They said, ah, but we don't like it. So, like, he got screwed on both those deals, which was unfortunate. But Phil's a unique individual. I'll tell you one story real quick. We, there was a Sacramento Kings, uh, San Antonio Spurs playoff game. So we got a private plane. We flew there. All right. And we're sitting on the floor. Right. And Phil just has to gamble. So he had a water bottle cap. Okay. And it fell off on the ground and he put his foot on it. And he said, what side do you like? 10 K heads, 10 K up. So we, I was stuck 50,000 flipping bottle oh, caps yeah. bottle caps on the floor with phil being the one putting his foot on it like i don't know i should have probably checked the bottle cap it might have been uh you know might, it might have been juiced <laughs> Man, i love that's, it that's that's crazy um what it, what have you made in you know from a hockey perspective um obviously it's been a long time coming for the maple leaves it's different now in vegas what's it like sort of living in vegas and and sort of the evolution of the vegas golden knights the last couple of years it's been amazing it really has. You know, this city, we didn't have professional sports, right? Everyone had the taboo about gambling. They want to come here. It's mob run. Well, gambling's everywhere now. Pro line, you can go to the grocery store and, you know, and you bet whatever you want. So it's, so that sort of broke the ice, you know, and now we've seen the Raiders come. We've got the Aces. I imagine it's a hop, step, and a jump before we get something like the Oakland A's and an NBA team, right? But I think hockey really worked in Vegas because of sort of what happened. We had that tragedy on October 1st. You know, where, where, you know, it was the mass shooting on Mandalay yeah. Bay. And so we had a week after, and they did a really good job of the intro of, like, every pro, that every, every hockey player that walked out, walked out with a first responder, somebody who's there, you know? And those are the heroes. And we, we you know, we, we appreciate them that way. And then we won, right? We're like, holy smokes. We got this team 
that meant like dead spin, all these articles written about it might be the worst team of all time. Like it might be epically bad. And they not only, <laughs> they went to the Stanley Cup final, right? So what a great story. You got Gerard Gallant, you got this group of misfits or whatever. And for a lot of po- a lot of fans in Vegas, it's gone all downhill since there. Like a steady decline of like, you know, mixing and matching and patching and treating people poorly on the way out and trying to fix things that aren't broken and overcomplicating things and borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. Like, what do you mean? Or 12 million over the cap? What the hell are y'all doing, bro? Relax, you know, you know, and getting rid of assets. So I think like if you looked at it a couple of years ago, we had an amazing tandem of Flurry and Laner, right? And now, you know, Laner's hurt. Flurry's gone on to greener pastures. And we've got a rookie in Logan Thompson who's been great. And Aiden Hill, lucky for them, I think, the Bruce Cassidy system, you just watch it. It's super goalie friendly. There's four men in a box right in front of them. Like, rebound control is going to be, like, if he has any rebounds, it'll get cleared, which is a different, different than what we've ever had. I got PTSD watching that game because Bruce Cassidy has ate the least for lunch for the last, like, decade as a Boston Brewer. And now he's with the Vegas Golden Knights. But you're right. That, that system is something else. I think you look at that roster, pretty damn decent still. They have Jack Eichel. They have Mark Stone. But, but but from a fan experience, like how different has it been for you, you know, as somebody who grew up going to the Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Arena, to T-Mobile Arena, that place is bumping. Yeah, right. You go to like other arenas and you see golf clapping. There's no golf clapping in Vegas. Like people are in Vegas to party. Like I had a feeling, you know, well, not a feeling. I knew that Vegas was going to do it glitzy, glamoury. They had that big video show in the intro and they get people pumped up with nighttime, dimming the lights, people dancing, people having fun. It, you know, it, it makes sense that it's like that. I think, you know, a comparable might be something like Nashville, you know, who gets it. But, you know, Toronto was always much quieter and respectful. I remember many years ago, I think it was, was it Dave Winfield or Joe? I think it was Winfield who was playing in Toronto. He was like, make some noise, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be polite. Let's go. Yeah. Let's make this actually, you know, a, a, you know, home field advantage, if you will. But no, the games in Vegas are obviously a blast. A lot of people go that they're going for more than just the game. You know, they're going for the atmosphere and, and everything uh, that surrounds it. Rosie? Um, so when, when the Maple Leafs come to town, Daniel, are you conflicted? You've got that, you know, Vegas Knights team that you've kind of adopted, but being a Torontonian yourself and being <laughs> in love with the Maple Leafs, are you conflicted or what do you do? Are you seen with uh, a Maple Leafs jersey cruising around with your whole crew looking at you or what's the Here's story? Here's what I do. I wear this hat, which is the Leaf hat. And then I'm wearing this right here. <laughs> I sent him a message as soon as he, as soon as it was officially got the deal. I said, "What's wow. number are you going to be?" And he said, "Eight. So I got this pre-ordered, and uh, so I wear this with the hat, and I've been doing that ever since they come. And I don't know that I'm conflicted. Obviously, I've lived in Vegas. Frankly, what the Leafs did to me was when they traded to Rask. That was kind of the last straw for me. I was very upset by that, and I've seen them make a lot of. Trends towards the right direction. I think Kyle Dubas is doing a good job. Having, Unfortunately, I hate J- Kelly McCrimmon. Like, I don't just dislike him, but I absolutely hate this human being. Like, I will be. I was happy that they moved on from DeBoer because I thought it was unfair they fired Gallant to replace him. Not that DeBoer was a terrible coach, but he just wasn't the right fit. And it was just sort of like a rectifying a mistake in a way. Um, but the next one that has to go is Kelly McCrimmon. This guy, he made a couple good deals this offseason, but overall, if you look at his track record the last few years, I mean, he's given, he's given, he gave away Flurry for nothing. Flurry traded later for almost the first round pick. You know, then he gives Pacioretty for future considerations and had to give them Dylan Coglin. Like, if you look, he's getting fleeced in all these deals. And eventually, you're kicking the can down the road. The cupboard will be empty. And we don't have an influx of young players. You know, we've got 
very few high-end prospects. The only prospects that have played for this team really are Nick Hague, you know, Zach Whitecloud, and now we have Colasar on the fourth line. Other than that, you're not seeing, you know, anything pan out from, you know, the, the, the pipeline. And they were stocked. They were, they were stocked after the expansion draft. And I get why they'd want to, you know, speed it up a little bit and add a little, uh, some pieces here. But look what they did, man. You got Petrangelo and Stone, right, in their 30s, back problems, older. Those contracts are not going to age well at nine plus, right? It's going to be hard to move on from that. So I think that might be an issue sooner than, you, than we think. Do you think they've fallen victim to having too much success early? Like you said, going to the Stanley Cup Finals right off the bat, and they, they don't really have the patience to wait for to draft talent and to develop them and to come down the pipeline. They've got a mentality of we need to win right now because that's what we did right off the bat, and they they don't really have the patience to do it so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit of that, but, like, you know, it's also the owner. Like, he does want to win. He did say, you know, playoffs in three, cup in six, and this is year six. Um, but what I think happened was the team itself that we drafted – the intention was probably to move James Neal at the deadline, move whatever pieces, and then just, you know, build through the draft. But how do you do that to a team that, you know, at the All-Star break is in the lead in the division? Like, how do you strip this team now? Like, how do you make that case? So it sped things up. Rather than looking to shed guys, now they're looking to add in years two, three, and four. And But they really sort of, like, in, to some degree, stripped the identity of the team. And I don't know that they necessarily got better as a result. Um, you know, there was guys like David Perron who would have stayed and he went on to crush it, you know, in, in St. Louis and now in Detroit. So not all moves are going to be perfect, but then you look at even the Eichel deal, right? Yeah. So we're in a vulnerable position where Peyton Krebs, uh, Alex Tuck, Huck, Tuck is hurt, but he'll be back. And we already have crazy number of injuries already. Now you're sending Tuck and Krebs for a guy who's out till February or so, and you don't make the playoffs. I mean, it's partly, they always talk about man games lost. I'm like, you literally bought man games lost. You know, and it's going to, obviously with Eichel, I mean, he was okay. He broke his thumb, whatever. It's going to take him time to get used to it too. So it, it was a question of, did we have the resources and the cap space to get rid of Tuck on a 4.25 and uh, Krebs, who's another, you know, one of our young prospects for Eichel. I love getting Eichel, but I wonder if, you know, maybe we just weren't in the position to, to do that with, the, with where we were at. What's your read on the Leafs this season? Uh, they seem to be disengaged. You know, like they didn't seem to show up in Vegas. I don't know. Like, you know, there's always a thing people say about Vegas, the Vegas flu. Seems like the boys may have been at Spearman Rhino until 7 or 8 in the morning. Cosmo. I heard Cosmo, buddy. <laughs> Wherever it was. I mean, <laughs> if you watch the game, like they look kind of flat, right? Yeah. They have a lot of dynamic weapons offensively. Seems like, seems like they made a lateral move in net, right? I mean, do you guys think that they made, you know, they got better necessarily? I looked at Campbell's numbers last year and I predicted a fall because his goal saved above expectation, which I think is the only valuable number for goalies. That's like really the most valuable because your save percentage is dependent upon the team. Your goals against is dependent upon the team. But goal saved above expectation, that's sort of on you. And he wasn't in the top 60, you know, at the time when he had all these beautiful numbers outside that. And But overall, like, yeah, I think that it's hard to win in the playoffs over 16 games if you don't have a goalie that can steal you some games. Same for, for the Vegas, too. Yeah, no, and I think you hit the nail on the head. We've been going back and forth the last couple of weeks. I still have a, a shitty taste in my mouth. I don't know how you lose to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I know other teams have. I know Columbus did. Columbus is another problem in this league. But the Marlies, I, I, the Marlies would beat Arizona. Exactly. Like it, it just. <laughs> and again, to your point, and people make that excuse. 
oh, just wait till the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think the division is way better where they have to worry about the regular season now and win some games or they're going to be up against it. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, you look at the division, right? You know, the, yeah. the sort of the uh, the rumors of Boston Bruins' demise are <laughs> not legit. Like, you know, if you looked at the analytics, Dom decision, he had Boston as a top five team based on the analytics of the last few years. Obviously, they have some injury troubles. They're fighting through it. You got Tampa. Sure, they don't look great right now, but they turn the corner. They'll be yeah. fine. You got Florida. So your first round matchup, however it shakes out, you know, it's reasonable to think like, yeah, they're getting knocked out in the first round again. You know, it's happened before. And I do believe that there are skeletons in the closet. I do believe there's some PTSD. I believe you saw it, you know, you know, in the Montreal series or whatever. And they're like, oh shit, oh shit. Is this going to happen? Oh, are we going to fuck this up again? You could feel, you could see it. You could feel it. It was palpable that, you know, this was about to turn. Ever since the, the Boston 4-1 collapse in the, in the third period, it seems like, they, ha they have to get over that hump mentally. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Just when you play for that team, it, there's a, like you say, a palpable feeling that's that's within the room, within the, the organization. Everywhere you go, you carry it with you. And it's because of that market that they're in. And they just keep shooting themselves in the foot and making that feeling bigger and bigger and bigger. And for years now, I think this will be like the 10-year anniversary of that collapse against Boston. I know that because I was in the delivery room given... My wife's given birth to my first son and he'll be 10 this fall. So, or this spring, sorry. So, I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And all we can do as fans and, and analysts and everything else is sit here and hope that sometime they're going to break through. I mean, they've put enough pieces together. They have a talented enough team to get to the second fucking round. And again, I just, I really want to stop having this conversation. <laughs> yet to be seen, they sure are a frustrating team to watch. I mean, but as a, as a team, like, obviously, like I said, I don't think they really showed up in Vegas, but... When you look at that core group of forwards, you know, they're good. Like, the defense with Giordano back there, like, it's yeah. good. So, really, like, the glaring weakness with the glaring fear is, you know, in that. And also, the other concern is this. And I, I look at teams like Tampa Bay, like St. Louis, like Boston. And what, 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 what's unique about them all is, like, they're sort of built for the playoffs, mm -hmm. right? Colorado won because they're just more talented than everybody else. But, like, you look at these gritty, grindy teams – that's what 16 playoff games is, you know, wins is like. It's not flashy fun. Like, you look at Florida, you look at Toronto. Oh, they win 7-6, they win 7-5. You know that's not the same thing, right? Like, that's not, unless you're Edmonton, Colorado, 7-6 games. You're not typically going to see that, right? So you would need to really clamp down and, and grind it out. And with a lot, with, you know, they do have tons of skill. The question is, um, does it translate? Like, I, I, like, same issue with Florida. And they went out and picked up, you know, Kachuk to maybe add some toughness or change the identity of the team but Toronto I don't know that you know the core makeup of it is you know playoff tough all you can do is belief my friend uh, thank you so much for the time today and we look forward to catching up in the future okay all right guys have a good one thanks Daniel there you have it hope you enjoyed uh, listening and watching that as much as we uh we liked bringing that to you that was a lot of fun Rosie yeah, man, that guy's something else, eh? His brain is just constantly churning with facts and info and analyzing. And it's it's kind of funny because you can see where, you know, he, he gets that from, from being one of the best poker players to ever play. It's just the way his mind works, man. And it's pretty cool how passionate he is about hockey and, and to be in that market down there and helping kind of spread the, I think he helped a lot of uh, people get into the game down there and spread the word about that team. And obviously it's been a, been a success down there. So it's kind of cool. Loves his boy, Phil Kessel. We all know that. The wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at PointsBet Canada.
Another Dub Rosie on Wednesday. Tonight, I'm going to keep it simple. No shot props, no Austin Matthews anytime goal. Give me the over six and a half plus 100. Battle of the backups. Capo Kakinen expected to start for the San Jose Sharks. 10 goals against in three appearances. And it's been against New Jersey, Chicago, and Nashville. Not necessarily upper echelon teams in the NHL. And then again, Eric Schulgren starting for the Maple Leafs. 46 goals against in 15 career NHL appearances. That's 3.07 goals per game allowed for Schalgren. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. We've been waiting for a while for this for the Maple Leafs. I like it, man. And I know just the way this works, you back off Austin Matthews, he's probably going to get two or three mm-hmm. tonight. So um, I love it. I think the overs have been hitting quite a bit lately. And with two backups and, you know, everything's lining up for that that over six and a half. Is it is it six and a half or just six? What's it say right there on the screen? Yeah, it's six and a half, no? Yeah. Yeah. None, nonetheless, yeah. I like the over there. That's uh, that's good money. So what are you, like 10 and one right now? Like you are you're fired up. Yeah. So. I'm riding I'm your cooking. I'm again, cooking. Man. Thank you. No, I'm cooking, but again, you're going to have your ups and downs through the season. And to your point, I will sprinkle a bit of coin in Austin Matthews to score just because I, I want to see him score, it. but it's not officially my bet of the day. My bet of the day is over six and a half Maple Leafs in the San Jose Sharks. With that, Rosie, I think we're going to wrap. I'm looking forward to this game tonight against San Jose. And I tell you now, it, it, it better be a much different team than we saw on Monday or else. <laughs> Yeah, the consistency needs to start happening here. So why not start tonight, I guess? Uh, I'm going to sprinkle Matthews on top of your bet there too. And yeah, try to get some sleep after the game, you Eastern folks. You're going to be up all night, aren't you? Well, let's hope it's uh, more appetizing to watch than the game on Monday night when they lost 3-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights. Again, many thanks to Daniel Negreanu, pro poker legend, for dropping by. For Jay Rosehill, I'm Nick Alberga. Take care. (laughs) 